Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome everybody to the Human Conversation. Oh my goodness, this lady, she's so much fun. I met her on LinkedIn. She's called Heidi Medina. Fabulous name, just there, right there. Um, And she runs a company called Talk to Heidi. She's a business coach and so much more. So we're going to talk to Heidi today on the Human Conversation. Heidi, welcome Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. It's so nice to do this because we had a virtual cuppa. I think my listeners get used to this because I just have virtual cuppas and then all of a sudden like we're just best friends for life because I just meet these wonderful people, um, particularly on LinkedIn, which is where we've met. So I kind of said, oh, Heidi, we chat, chat, chat. And I said, oh, you just got to come on my podcast because I just would love to make something for the listeners to feel a little bit inspired because we kind of do a similar thing, uh, which is really nice, actually. I love that. And so, yeah, I want to just talk all about you and that and, and anything else that we want to talk about today. So first things first, um, tell us a bit about what you do, Heidi. Um, I'm a business coach. I actually just jumped into it in the last 18 months after being a business owner for over 25 years. Uh, four businesses in my adult life, two in my before adult life. <laughs> so six total. Um, yeah. And so I've been mentoring the whole time. And actually, it's been it's been interesting. I love the coaching because it's some, you know it's mentoring still. But I, before I was mentoring for free, so now I've gotten into getting paid for it, um, and I absolutely love it. My husband encouraged me to jump into it. I was content writing, really fun, but not you know it's just just okay. And then he kept saying, "You need to get into coaching. You help so many people." And so finally, I was like, "Okay," I bit the bullet, jumped into it. Um, a year ago this month, launched my first LinkedIn course. And I recently just launched my signature Boomerang Your Business um, two weeks ago. So I love that name. I know. It's so amazing. It's all about, and this is where you and I are so similar. It's all about the human connection and putting the humanity back into our marketing, our sales, our businesses, and ourselves. And this program is the program I always wanted to build. Yeah. But I couldn't have built it 18 months ago. So it, it's it's been really, and the feedback's already incredible from the people who are in it. So it's, they're already getting, I'm getting statements like, you've already blown my mind and stuff. And that was the first week. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but you know, it's really interesting what you just said. Well, there's a few things that I want to pick up on because this is how I do this. But the first thing that you said was that the kind of the fact that you couldn't really have launch this program you know back when because I I feel the same I feel like all the things I've learned in that first year 18 months of my business whilst I had products and I was working and I was coaching even my live it love it sell it program never evolved quite like it is now you know and it's it's still going to keep evolving but it's almost that foundation stuff I now know what it is you know 
I agree. And I think by doing, we connect to those parts that we do want to give to the world. And it's like, because this program is finally, I mean, it's coming from so deep It's in me. It took me a little bit to bring this one out because it was kind of scary. Yeah. Um, the rest of them I popped out like that. But this one took two or three months of deep diving. Oh gosh, the worst case of imposter syndrome I ever had. <laughs> oh yeah, we've all got that. Oh my goodness. You know, is, do you find it really interesting when people meet you that they can't quite believe you would have that? Because obviously you're lovely and bubbly and confident, you know, because uh, I get that too. Yes, I get it all the time. And people are like, I can't believe you struggle or you think of these things. You're always so confident. And even though I talk about it, I talk about my struggles. And, you know, I don't hide it. If I'm having a crap day or I made a mistake or something went wrong, I tell people. And yet I still constantly get that. Oh, I can't believe you even think about that. You you just tell us all how to get through it. I'm like, that doesn't mean I don't struggle with it. <laughs> no, that internal stuff we do to ourselves is just... It's huge, isn't it, at times? Those mind monkeys. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, I, again, I picked up on something very interesting that you said at the start. So the, this kind of you've run four businesses. Oh, and two before you grew up. I'm sure those were your words, Heidi. So does this mean that you were one of these teenage entrepreneurs or something? Um, actually, I was. Well, my first little business was kind of the little girl equivalent of a lemonade stand. I uh, picked wildflowers one summer, put them in my mom's mason jar with a ribbon on it that I stole from her sewing basket. And I sold them at the family produce stand for the whole summer. I, I think I, for the whole summer, I probably made a hundred-ish dollars or something. So, but you know, I was only nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It was awesome. And then at 13, my sister and I, um, we all grew up on a family produce farm. And, um, but my sister and I wanted to grow some flowers. And so my dad agreed to fund us. He fronted us $300 and helped us order the seed and the dirt and the pots and everything. And so my sister and I started that business. By the time I hit junior high school, we couldn't keep up with it no more. We were in advanced classes. We were preparing for college, you know, uni, the whole thing. And um, my dad took over the business and is still running it today. That's so cool. What a great story. Yeah, he's, making it, he's made his entire living off of that business. He switched out of the produce farming when my parents divorced when I was 25. And um, yeah, he's still running it today as his primary income source. So it's been going since I was 13. Ah, that's so cool, isn't it? And what do you think you've learned today compared to how you started that business when you were 13? Oh, well, a lot. Obviously, I've matured a lot more. But at the same time, I still kind of dive into it the same. I just don't think you can know everything before you jump into a business. It's impossible. Yeah. So you either go for it or you don't. I love that. That's so, that's so important. You know, I kind of thought to myself, I know what she's going to say to that question. I sort of dived in myself and thought and assumed what you'd say. But what I thought you might say is that when you're 13, you're just very naive. So you just kind of get on with it. But what's really nice about, I think, real entrepreneurial people is that they never really lose some of that naivety because it's almost that kind of like, it's the risk-taking element, isn't it? The excitement of just trying something. 
it's it's the excitement and if you allowed yourself to explore all the actual risk and the ins and outs I don't think you'd do it <laughs> exactly I mean let's be honest most business owners are freaking crazy people because you keep going when it seems like nothing's working <laughs> you keep hammering at it you keep trying things until one day it just works and I, you know, and I also have a background with my parents being entrepreneurs too. So I've got that background too of, and they always, they enabled us. If we had ideas, they enabled us to make them happen. Yeah. And they never, the funny thing is, is I, it's, my dad was always learning stuff, but as funny as it is, I never remember him sit, telling us to stop and put together like a business plan or anything first. He'd usually let us get going and then tell us to get the business plan together. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of, um, I guess that's fueling your creativity, though, isn't it, as well? So that's quite a cool thing to do. It is, because it doesn't dampen you down, whereas you have to stop instead of diving in, which I think is, you know, I think society stops our curiosity. At school, you know, you're, you're told to stop, sit still, shut up, do your work, and quit asking questions. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I got lucky in that my parents were always encouraging, especially my dad. I mean, it was nothing at the dining room table for dinner at night. You would ask a question and instead of him answering you, oh, go look it up. And we had the World Book Encyclopedias and the dictionary all within reach of the dinner table. And it was nothing to have those books out at every meal. And so I think they, he, mostly him in this aspect, really encouraged that to learn new stuff and to have that constant curiosity and be exploring. And how do you feel about that now when you think about all the things that have happened to us in 2020, anyone listening in a couple of years' time, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. <laughs> uh, and, you know, has that changed your outlook, do you think, of that being curious and learning? No, I think it's increased it because we've had to. Um, I've seen more advancement this year. I did pivots this year. I wasn't planning for another two years. Yeah. And that goes for everyone. And I also have tried things this year just to see, because we've had to adjust so much yeah. that um, I don't think we would have done without it. And in some ways, I'm seeing some blessings come from it, which we've got to find some of the rainbows because it's here no matter what. Yeah. Um, so I do see a lot of advancement and stuff that probably wouldn't have happened for a long time down the road with a lot of things. Do you feel like you've changed how you deliver your content and your products because of it as well? I really do. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, I've definitely had to adjust certain things and maybe move the focus, I think, is probably a good way to describe it. Well, also, I always really heavily believed in self-care, um, but this year I've... It was always a prime part of everything I've done, but this year I really, really, really had to um, bring it back in. And it's actually been demanded in all my programs and partly because I think my clients trust me on the self-care side, but, and it's been more bringing, even more so, you and I have already been very human connected and very oriented that way. But I feel like this year has strengthened that with a lot of people. Yeah, another interesting thing, just, just thinking about what you've said as well, the fact that it's on the agenda self-care, you know, because it wasn't, was it, for such a long time? No, I really had to make my clients, because it's always been part of my program, is that they must schedule their self-care. 
And so this year, they're no longer arguing with me on it. Whereas yeah. last year, I was like, well, I don't have time and I'm going to cheat. This year, they're not cheating. Right. Right. But he did. <laughs> so I think that that is a real big, we're realizing how much we need it. Yeah. Even in, if things were normal, per se, then we still need it and how much better life is with it. Yeah, um, very much. So important. So important. It's the basis of everything then going forward, isn't it? Let's face it. So it is. And I you know, I just love because the corporations are already slowly slipping towards making it more human, more personal, more everything that wasn't quite as consumeristic. I mean, don't get me wrong, we know it's all still consumer based, but yeah. Um I think this year they're having to realize so much quicker that people aren't responding to that anymore. Yeah, that's it. Marketing changed this year. It's much softer. It's much more, you you know, connection. It was always connection based, but it is even more so now than it was. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going, hooray. Thank goodness at last. (laughs) (laughs) They've got it finally. Um, So look, look, I mean, this is, this is such great, rich content, isn't it? Chatting about these things. I love this. That's why we're so aligned. I want to just, um, I suppose I was going to say, um, Talk about the elephant in the room because that makes it sound really terrible. But the fact is, if you're listening from the UK, you detect you have a US accent. (laughs) So tell us about that because you don't live in the US at the moment, do you? No, I live in Portugal. I've lived here for two years now. Um, Yeah, well, I'm originally from North Carolina and then I moved to Denver, Colorado, where I spent about a decade um and then two years ago we moved to Portugal so big dream achieved two of them actually I always had this dream of wanting to um live and work anywhere in the world for my laptop I'm doing that now um and then I well my final goal is Italy but I always did want to live in Europe and I'm doing that so yeah, we had this conversation on our virtual cuppa because I'm kind of like Italy's one of my most favorite favorite places you know um although I have to say to the listeners I'm really not that well traveled which I really need to put right and of course right now I can't do much about it um, <laughs> I know but but Italy's beautiful beautiful place so ultimately you may well end up there is kind of the plan is it still um, no, it's actually not. Um, the plan is to eventually maybe have a vacation flat there. Um, but to actually live full time, no. Uh, the, the visa process is a heck of a lot harder. Um, we love Portugal. I mean, we're in love with it. And we can visit Italy so easily. And, you know, and to get a, a little flat in one of the little towns we like and stuff, you know, it won't be too bad. We can let our friends use it when we're not using it or Airbnb it or something. Um, but yeah, so the goal is just to do that with it now rather than live there because of um, the Portuguese are so progressive and a lot of things, and it fits more my feelings of uh, how progressive they are towards people, towards others. Um, don't get me wrong. There's still discrimination and things that happen here, but it's not as prevalent and they're working really hard to change it compared to a lot of places in the world. And women are encouraged to do more here, even though it's still a patriarchal society. 
but they're working really hard on changing things and I really appreciate that yeah and so in Italy love Italy but let's be honest some of their their back stuff for living with isn't so great (laughs) (laughs) more I get into it the more I've gone it's just like yeah I love it I love to visit it I don't think I'd want to live in it all the time yeah, I, it's it's interesting for me because I've never lived anywhere except in the UK. Uh, so whilst I've moved around the UK a lot, so I could I, I feel I could move somewhere new and it would not be traumatic, if that makes sense. I've never moved abroad. Um, so how did you ever decide on Portugal? You know, what happened? Was Was there a process to you actually ending up there? Well, we started checking into which countries, the visa processes and things. But in reality, uh, Portugal checks all the boxes of the list we had. We wanted to be, I wanted to live back close to the ocean again because I grew up close to the beach. And of course, Colorado being landlocked, I spent over a decade with no ocean. Um, no, fresh seafood had to be shipped in, that kind of stuff. So <laughs> amazing seafood here, a lot of freedom of movement here, um, just with ease of airports and transportation to get out which means we can explore we can be in Rome in three hours or we can be in the UK in three and a half I mean by plane normally so we loved that central location of being able to go everywhere else but the visa process is also very easy here and um, also we plan to get citizenship which only takes five years here well five years to apply it probably takes about two years to actually fully complete the process after that um so it was just a combination of those things, cost of living, the weather is amazing, country oh, beautiful, people, yeah. customs are pretty cool here. Um, there's a lot of tech here and being, you know, everything I do has been online for, oh geez, I did content writing for over a decade too. So I've been online for over 12 years now. So tech's kind of important. <laughs> amazing, isn't it? I mean, all these things that you're sort of ticking the boxes and the things you're talking about, it's really fascinating isn't it that we can run our businesses in this way now yeah it's so freaking cool (laughs) and and that's what I'm doing as as I'm help while I can help people do in-person businesses my more my focus is the online world because that's what I've been doing for so long now so your clients um where are they based generally uh Europe UK and US mostly okay so all, all over them really Yes, actually. I, I've had a couple in Australia just for my, um, you know, uh, DIY products, not so much my coaching services. I don't mind working with Australians. It's a little hard with the time difference, though. Yeah. And do you think moving to Portugal has given you a better work-life balance as well? Yes, definitely. Um, Portugal is a much slower pace of life in the U.S., which was one thing I really had, uh, I fell in love with in Italy at first. I hated it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I just wrote a post today and the opening line was, if you've ever been to Italy, you know the minute you put your foot on the ground, time slows down. (laughs) 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 Because it does. Um, But that's the same for Spain and Portugal and even part of France. Um, But once you learn, if you don't fight it and you adapt it, it's so much easier of a life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still have days I'm slamming it out, but there are more days where I will get out, go take a good walk, go have a long dinner, a long lunch, or, you know, and just chill out some more compared to what I would have done in the U.S. Yeah, and you teach partly this, the self-care bit, so you've got to do it as well. (laughs) I 
did, but hey, I slip off the wagon just like anybody else. I mean, the past six weeks, I've definitely been off the wagon. Yeah, me too. And and I've worked really, really hard. Yes. Um, I'm kind of hoping that, that that two weeks of Christmas that I really do just slob it and rest, you know. And yet, um, yeah. the work is just wonderful. That's the problem, I think. The driver is the fact that I love what I do. One big focus this year, too, with 2020 was simplification. Oh, my goodness. That's such a great word, isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing what we do to ourselves with complicated systems. I know. But equally, you know, when we want people to buy from us, Heidi, you know, the more complicated we make it, the less likely they are to buy from us, you know? Exactly. And I've always felt like I've done it relatively simple, but still this year I have managed to go through and scale it down even more. Yeah. I find it so much easier. It's less stress on me, less stress on them. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I love this. I love this. So I kind of now want to get into the program, I guess, and just let's talk about, you know, what is this fantastic program that you're running? Boomerang your business. Yes. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Tell us, what's it all about, Heidi? All of it comes back to, and this is the big thing I've really noticed over the years, is we've lost ourselves in our businesses. We forget our goals and dreams. We don't put us in it. We start implementing strategies we don't like because we think we have to. We aren't enjoying it for all those reasons. So the entire first two weeks of this thing actually takes it all the way back to us. Yeah. Great it stuff. starts goals, dreams, our time, our schedule. And we take into account personal schedule too, not just business. Yeah, I love that. And we're bringing all that back in. So then we can build our strategies and our goals based on what it is we want, what we don't want, who we want in it, that whole thing. And then we build our business from that out because so many of our businesses too, we've gotten, we're in a society and especially as women, more so than men even, that everybody else has to come first. It's not okay for us to come first. Mm. And so I'm working on reprogramming that if we don't come first, then there's only a limited amount we can do for everybody else before we're burnt out. Yeah. We're overwhelmed. We can't go forward. I mean, because even with your kids, there's still only so much you can give of yourself before you can't give anymore. And the problem is a lot of us give too much. Mm. And so all of this is pulling us back into it. And then from there, we just are humanizing the whole thing. It's all about the conversation, which I know you and I focus on yeah, a lot. Yeah, we're so aligned in how we I work, which is not. wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so it all comes down to the, treating the conversation as, you know, content engagement is simply conversation. Mm. So many people, we've, we've lost the human terms of that. Like network is actually a community. And so the whole program is bringing all that back into it. And then because of all of this, we're able to build these cycles of influence using deliberate action that just helps us achieve our goals and dreams while helping other people achieve theirs. So yeah. while it is about us, it's still about other people. Yeah. And oh, I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, it sounds great. It just sounds great. And, and yeah. as I say, so aligned to the work I'm doing as well, which is brilliant you know and the more people like us who can do the work in this way you know the the better the world's going to be I think truly and um, there's something else I wanted to just check in with the program is like how long then is the program what does it look like if I if I said to you I'd like to do it what what does it actually look like 
Um, we're running it live right now. First run is six weeks. Well, it's actually going to be seven because we're flexing around Christmas. And <laughs> I want to pressure people. It would have ended Christmas week, and that's just not okay. So yeah. it's actually seven weeks. Um, it might go to eight weeks on the next run. I'm checking to see how the workloads I put on them is playing out. Um, right now, I'm I thinking I'm because I like to do things not so heavy on people so they can implement and still work, which yes. a lot of what the program is doing is actually implementing. You're, you're creating content, you're engaging, you're things like that. So part of it's stuff you're already doing anyway. But um, right now though, it's set up for six weeks. It's live. Uh, we do coaching calls, group coaching calls each week. It's a group program. Yeah. Lots of homework. <laughs> How many do you have in your group? There's eight in the first run. Yeah. So, would you do more than that, or do you like that number? Um, my goal, well, I, I'll tell you what I thought when I went into it. I thought I wanted 20, but I don't think I'd do more than 10 to 12. Yeah, I, I think my group programs I ran earlier in the year, I had six maximum. And to be honest, I know I could have probably done a few more than that. But in all honesty, it was wonderful because it was more intimate being able to work with that number, you know. So it's great. It, no, I agree. And, and the reason I think I could probably handle 10 to 12 is there's always several that don't need as much attention. And then there's always a handful that need more. So it kind of balances out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, we'll see after this run for sure. But right now the eight has been a good number, especially for first run of it. Yeah. And how often are you going to run it? What's your thoughts on that, Heidi? I'm thinking three to four times a year. Okay, yeah, so kind of a quarterly maybe type of scenario. Yeah, Probably amazing. So. amazing. Um, I think that's going to feel good. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that you – do you also do like one-to-one -one coaching as well? And is, there, is that a little bit more ad hoc? Yes, one-to-one -one I definitely do a lot of it actually. Um, so I uh, – Right this minute, I've, I've cut back because I was building this program, but I'm bringing it back in now. Yeah. But I actually, it's funny, we were talking about the Italian thing. That was the reason that came up today was um, I normally do two-hour intensives and get people in. And I have a six-week program, too, in this case, for one-to-one -one as well. But uh, a lot of people like the two-hour intensive. But I don't know about you, two hours right now, going at it hard it makes me feel exhausted. It's tiring. I actually do 90 minutes, so I cop out and I take off I take off another half an hour, Heidi. Um, it's really tiring. I think you'll be just like me, that you'll be working really hard in that period as a coach. And equally, they're working very hard to take on board you as a coach. So it is very intense. Anyone who has never done it, when you try it, you'll realize, you'll realize it's tough. I mean, it's amazing. But it's, it's amazing and you can do so much in it but what I'm doing instead of it and that, that's where the Italian thing came in with today was I'm calling it my Italian coaching sessions <laughs> so I'm breaking the two weeks up into a three-week period <laughs> so we're going to start with a 90-minute one week one week implementation and then the third week we come back with another 45-minute Q&A to tweak everything I love it Oh, so freaking good. I'm like, why was I doing these two hours before? Yes, it's great, actually. It's good. I think, you know, as long as you've got someone on board who's just going to really stay in that three-week place with you, it's brilliant, isn't it? You know, I've had a couple of coaching clients where they've had some gaps for very good reasons, you know, really good reasons. 
nothing they could do about it. And those bigger gaps, they do actually disrupt sometimes the whole effectiveness of the coaching. It's such a shame, isn't it? So it is. And think about this when I, you've probably had this similar experience. I would imagine when you did coach your own coaching sessions, um, whenever I've done one, I actually, you know, if I've done an hour, 90 minute one, there's times when you're done, you would like to go back and have a few more questions. Yeah. So that's why I like how this is set up. It's great. It, it gets that full blown session in. Yeah. You need to think about it, start implementing. And then those questions start popping. So you got a minute to come back and say, Hey, and get those questions answered. Whereas uh, the only other way you get them answered is by another session. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. I, I kind of love the idea because it, it centers so much around some things I've experienced where I would have loved to have had that second session. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's so good. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And, like, you know, we have to trust that instinct, don't we? What feels right and what doesn't. And equally, the feedback from the client is, is brilliant usually, isn't it? When they sort of say, oh, I loved that you did that. It really helped me. Then you go, okay, this is how we should do it then. <laughs> So, look, we're coming to the end of our chat, our human conversation, which has just been awesome. Um, I've, I've loved sort of going on your journey with you and exploring what you do in even more detail. It's been great. What's your kind of passing uh, final thoughts for the listeners from Heidi? Hmm. Take care of yourselves. Self-care first before everything else. Um, that's probably my big one right now. Yeah. This is the way your self-care can't. It's a great way to finish, isn't it? Because it is so important. It always was, but I think more now more than ever, you know, we really do have to make sure that comes first. We do. And, you know, if, if you can reach out and talk to people right now, they need it. Yeah. Everybody needs it. So I will put all of your fabulous links in the narrative of this podcast, Heidi. But if somebody wants to know immediately how they can connect with you, where's the best place to connect with you? Um, probably email Heidi at talktoheidi.com or on LinkedIn at Heidi Medina. Fabulous. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been awesome. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> so, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our chat with fabulous Heidi, who is so aligned with me. We are on a mission, the both of us, to bring humanity back to business in a big, big way. <laughs> and I know we're going to have lots more virtual cuppers as well, Heidi. So, if you've enjoyed listening to our podcast today, then please do like and subscribe. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher. And we're on SoundCloud, all the S's. And we're also on YouTube where you can see our fabulous faces. So join us again next time on The Human Conversation. Ta-ta for now. You've just been listening to The Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.